Let's talk to Jason Scott now, the Chief Executive Officer from Racing Queensland. There's a lot of ground to cover this morning, different topics, including Albion Park, and we'll see if there's any news in regards to the state of play, whether there are a chance of staying at that particular venue or the new harness track with the land that's being purchased at Norwell, of course. And read the Greyhounds, what happens there at Albion Park, given the new tracks being built at Perga, the three tracks there at that state-of-the-art facility just outside of Ipswich. But Jason Scott with us. How are you, Jason? I'm very well, Steve. Yourself? Good, thank you. We know the government are looking into various infrastructure projects, re the Olympics, and there's going to be a fair bit of cost-cutting, and Albion Park may not be used as an Olympic venue? Yeah, I think it's fair. I met with the Minister's representatives on Monday, um, and really everything's up in the air with the 60-day inquiry into the Olympics, which Racing Queensland uh, board member Graham Clerk's involved in. Um, and it's possible that Albion Park will no longer be, be superfluous to needs, I suppose is the best way to put it, for the, for the Olympics. If that's the case, frankly, we couldn't afford to, uh, to build two, two new tracks because we need the money that we're getting for, uh, for Albion Park uh, resumption to fund both of those. So in a lot of ways, the Greyhound track started. It, it will continue on. I can't see... I can't, we really, we'll find out at the end of this 60-day inquiry whether Albion Park's needed and we'll go forward from there. What sort of date then? How far are we into it now, Jason? It's very hard to tell. You know, I, I, I don't want to harass Graham. I'm not exactly sure exactly when it started, but I'm thinking we'll hear something in, in March or April. You know, there's a million ways this could play out. We could end up racing at Albion Park. We could end up racing at Norwell. We could end up racing at Albion Park and having a training facility at Norwell. So there's multiple ways it can go, and we're really at the behest of the Olympics right now. Yeah. But would you say it's more likely that we stay than not stay at the creek? I wouldn't want to guess. Okay. Um, you know, you hear a lot of rumours about government and what's going to happen and the future of the Gabba and Brisbane Live. I mean, they're the big ticket items where you're talking billions of dollars. Um, Albion Park decision will be dependent on what happens with those. And, of course, we've got a state election in October this year as well where things could change. Oh, without a doubt. That's exactly right. And I think that the fact that we've gone into this, they've gone into this Olympic inquiry with a bipartisan committee means that it's probably less likely to change. But, yeah, of course, it's, that's possible. So, Jason, just scenario one, if we do stay at Albion Park, you mentioned stabling's pretty crucial there. I just wonder how much would we spend on that facility if we stay there at the creek for harness racing? Steve, well, I, again, we're, we're, I, I wouldn't even want to guess uh, where we would land, what sort of money we're looking at. I mean, the government are talking about a $8 billion Olympic spend or something of that facility, five, $7 billion, whatever it is. So um, racing really is, we're at, right now, unfortunately, we're at the best behest of what happens there. So the Greyhound track that's currently there, what will happen there? Well, again, we'll... It'll certainly get ripped up, and it's you know how it's what it's used and where it's used for. Not just the Greyhound track; it's the whole, the whole facility there, the car park, uh, the back things at the back. Like there's a million ways this could all play out, uh, but the, that Greyhound track won't won't exist. So the the three tracks they will still operate it at Perga, as you said. Yep. 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 I, I can't see a world where that doesn't happen. Okay. And just in regards to Norwell, if it, and again, if stables are built at Albion Park and we stay, 
you mentioned there could be potentially, you know, stables there, if not at Albion Park, or obviously sold that block of land. Yeah, there's two options if we don't go there. One's to sell it. The other is to progress with the training facility that we were going to build in conjunction with um, with the track. Um, you know, I think that would be the best option as far as I'm concerned. If you The barrier to entry to get into harness racing due to lack of training facilities is a lot more a lot more difficult than sort of thoroughbred racing, you know. You can get five boxes at a training track in southeast Queensland or the bush and you can start training. Much harder to do in harness racing. And people can't afford their own tracks as, as entry-level participants. So we certainly, from a racing Queensland point of view, we're very keen to, to progress at worst that training facility down there. Potentially could attract some younger people into the, the harness industry as well, that being the case. Younger, new, different transfers from thoroughbreds to harness, which we've seen historically. Any people that brings new participants into our sports, what we need. And just in regards to Deegan, you did touch on this last time, potential upgrades there, are they still a way off? Yeah, look, with the wagering, the wagering downturn means we're, we're a long way down in terms of our finances this year, obviously our forward projections. Uh, I've got a grand plan in the back of my head for Deegan, I think. Long term, we need to make it the best training facility in the country, and that's training not just for, for horses, but also for humans. Uh, we need, you know, there's clearly a labour shortage in, in racing, and eventually we should get to the point where not only do we are we training horses there, it's a, a training facility with you know accommodation for 24, 36, whatever number of people that we get, so we can get people from the country or from the regions or even from the provincial areas that can come and spend three, four, six months there, learn. When by the, that stage, by the time they go into the stables, they've been, they've been educated, which right now for the trainers, they're, they're desperate for any staff and they're taking anything. So I think if we can improve that training, it'll certainly be a boost for racing in Queensland. Is there enough... Time frame, mm. I'd say we're probably... We're two to three years off getting that. Yeah. Let's let's focus. We've got three major prices, uh, three major expense items that we're managing right now, which is the Norwell, the Q, and the Concrete Cancer and the new Grand Sand that's going to be needed at Eagle Farm with the John Powers then not having that much life left. Yeah. What was the one, sorry, in the middle there, Jason, you mentioned? Uh, the Q, the Greyhound track. The Greyhound track, yeah. yeah. Just in regards to Deegan, is there enough space to do what you want to do in the future, those plans in the back of your mind in the years oh, to come? I think, there's a, I think there's enough space. We might have to reconfigure a few things. You know, I, I suspect Racing Queensland uh, head ops building and that car park might be collateral damage and we might need to look at something. But again, it's this is, this is several years off, Steve. We, you know. Understand. Look, uh, we know the King of the Mountain was run on New Year's Day. It was taken out by Rothfire, $1.80 chance. There was one other horse under $10. That was all that pizzazz. There was a heap of horses in it that were over, you know, 30 to 1. There was a couple of 200 to 1. You want to tweak this, King of the Mountain, and where it is? Uh, I don't think as much as I want to as we have to. You know, congratulations to Robbie and, and Rothfire and winning and getting the entry into the Magic Millions. But when the slot, slots, these slots were sold prior to me, we sold three years' worth of slots. The way the race is structured, we've got the third year next year, we wouldn't be able to sell slots after that. You know, but some of the people that had the 201 shots had their own horses in, you know, class one, that only because they couldn't find another horse. We're going to put up three quarters of a million dollars in prize money 
we need to make it available to the best courses in the country. We need to have it at a time that suits suits where it's able to attract the best horses, which to me is the early part of the winter carnival or the late part of the autumn carnival, potentially around uh, Toowoomba Show Day, where we might be able to get uh, the up-and-coming horses. You know, last year horses like Opal Ridge and you know a couple of those good horses that missed the Mr. Strabroke possibly would have been set for this race. Uh, and then you might even get some of the the group three are listed uh, horses from the south who haven't had, you know, coming up at the end of their autumn carnival. Um, and I think we've got to give Toowoomba Racetrack a chance to shine. Uh, running a restricted race on New Year's Day isn't the, isn't the right place for that. Yes, if Rothfire hadn't have been there, um, the race wouldn't have received as much publicity as it did. What were the turnover figures like on the King of the Mountain there? Moderate. Okay. And that's Queensland bred, wasn't it? And Queensland trained horses for that race. But that's a... Queensland bred and Queensland jockeys as well. Yeah. So potential changes there for sure. Yeah, we'll just we'll move the date, open it up. Uh, you know, it's not significant change. But as I said, I really want to give Toowoomba the opportunity to, to get some of the best horses, best jockeys, the best trainers in the nation there. So time frame, you're thinking April, uh, well, say so this was the 24 version. So it will be the 25 version. Okay. So, you know, we're probably 16 months away. Okay. Mm. And I think that will help us sell slots when the race continues on after that. I've spoken to Chris Anderson, for instance, who who was smart enough to get Rothfire. He was the slot holder who had Rothfire. You know, he he intimated to me that he'd need something like this for them to continue on. And he's not the only one. You believe the summer carnival needs to be shortened in length? I think we're making a rod for our own back, uh, declaring a, a summer carnival for sort of eight or nine weeks. I mean, I think it's fantastic racing, and the wagering turnover was great. I would prefer something shorter and sharper, maybe the last two weeks of the of the Brisbane carnival into the two weeks of the, the wave and the Magic Millions and really focus on that month as our carnival. Of course, Magic Millions next year, Jason, 2025, is going to look a fair bit different with the big slot race on the Friday night, 1,100-metre three-year-old race, and then we race into the Saturday, which I think it's Jan 10 in 2025. Yeah, so look, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm nervous, I'll be honest. I've watched, I've been to Caulfield, oh, sorry, Mooney Valley multiple times with Michael Brown on a Friday night uh, as the Manicato was on, he spent more time looking at the sky and they don't get storms at... Uh, Mooney Ponds like they do at the Gold Coast. So, you know, while well, the weather's good, it'll be fantastic. We'll run the double this year. You know, it'll be $20 million worth of prize money in 24 hours, which is a pretty good stick uh, for Queensland. Uh, and then we'll reassess after this year whether we we move to a more... Um, the Shark Tin model, for instance, on their international day with Happy Valley on the Wednesday into the um, their big race day on the Sunday. I just think it gives... It takes the risk out of one of those huge Gold Coast storms or or the, uh, particularly also Steve Lyons and the club down there turning over that facility. If your last race is at 10.30 into, into um, early the next morning is, is is a little problematical. Yeah, and as you mentioned, if there happen to be storms or something late in the evening, rail movements and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, look, let's, we'll do it. We'll try it this year. We'll see how it goes and then we can look forward to work going ahead, which direction we go. Yeah, that's a slot race as well. There are 12 runners' capacity there for that race. The sunlight the night yes, before. Is, yeah. yeah. That's right. And we'll run some of those debuts to your old races at that meeting that night as well. Okay. And what about the... I think, big... 11, I think 11 races was too long at the yeah. Midlands this year, in my opinion. 
And will there be a feature under the lights, maybe the second meeting under the lights later in the year, Jason, at the Gold Coast? Yeah, we've got a million-dollar a million dollar two-year-old race uh, that will run in May in conjunction with the broodmare sales, the millions. Um, yeah, we'd like to run a meeting before that just as a, as a soft test to make sure that everything's working, and that'll be the big grand opening, that meeting in May. Are you going to trial some of these twilights at Sunshine Coast to run alongside Hong Kong next month? Yeah, we, we will. We'll start those We'll start those. We had planned to start it uh, the week before last, but uh, the weather was such that we had to move that meeting from Sunshine Coast to the switch. So what sort of time to but start? That was, that, that was done primarily to uh, protect the track, obviously, with Sun, Sunshine Coast having the Metropolitan meeting last Saturday. Uh, we're only going to move it back about an hour and a half. So just just start a little later, run run three races sort of after the other states into Hong Kong and test to see how it works. Jason, I just want to mention this story that was in the press earlier this week about a bungle in regards to racing Queens, uh, sorry, not, uh, Rises Bungle, uh, Rises Bungle, yeah. um, how it affects racing Queens, and all it was scratchings. Can you just explain this story to me? Yeah, it's effectively a tech, a tech error. Uh, there was a release somewhere in racing Australia that's brought in the unintended consequence of a bug being entered, and basically racing Queensland didn't get it. Uh, told, I suppose is the right word, that we had all of these scratchings that we need to that we usually charge for about a couple of hundred thousand dollars in revenue. So we have sent out invoices. We work with Cameron Parting and the Trainers Association. We sent out invoices, and look, we understand that some of the trainers may no longer have a relationship with these owners as the horse has gone past, has gone, and they're no longer there. So we'll deal with it on a case by case situation, but for Horses that are still racing, we expect that the trainers will pass that on to the to the owners, and I understand that these technical bugbears happen, um, and we we need we need to move on. Just the current state of play with the current government uh, in Queensland. You mentioned the our well, our racing minister Grace Grace, but she's also in charge of the infrastructure as well. Yeah, look, I think that can't that has to help racing. You know, the ministers she's got a two portfolios of two very different hats. But the fact that she has intimate knowledge, understands racing, understands our circumstances, um, I think will really help us. And her second in charge, Graham Fain, uh, was previously the, the CEO of the, of the Olympic Organising Committee. And I've spent a bit of time with him in the months since he's taken over. And he's got a, the best grasp of racing of anybody that I've met out who, who isn't a racing tragic. He, he gets it really quickly. So I'm, I'm really positive we'll... Uh, we'll get some good traction in the next four to five months before the government goes into caretaker mode. I suppose if there is a change, it could be a guy called Paul Langbrook as our racing minister. John Paul Langbrook. Yeah, yeah well, Tim Mand is the, the current shadow. I, I Look, I'm, I'm focusing on the now. I haven't spoken yep. to the Liberal Party. I don't know what Mr Christopher's plans are. Um, so, yeah, it could be John Paul, could be Ray Stevens, could be... They could stick with Tim, so again, probably not one for me to speculate no. upon. But it's just important, and I've seen it, you know, since I've been in the industry as well. It's just so important to actually have someone there that knows something about racing, or at least a bit of a passion, or a bit of a, you know, a, because you know everyone talks about Bob Gibbs. I don't know if you remember Bob years ago. He was, you know, just loved yeah. racing in Queensland. You know, it was passion. Russ Hins is another. You know, um, they certainly did a lot for racing. Oh, without a doubt, um, I think. It's interesting, though. I speak to Wayne Patch out at Ipswich, who's been chair there for 20-something years, and he tells me the current minister's the best we've ever had. 
So, you know, regardless of what the history is, I sat next to John Paul Lake, look at the wave. He clearly understands racing really well and he'd be able to, you know, have a huge impact. We spoke about the work cover situation yesterday and you'd love to have a crystal ball where you could materialise a lot more money for the racing industry because there's so much, you know, infrastructure projects, people got their hand out and all that sort of thing, various clubs. But is there anything that re-revenue streams that um, you could look at in the future, uh, Jason? Yeah, we've got a couple of things that we're looking at uh, in terms of international opportunities. Um, you know, I probably don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but our friends at the BRC are talking to the World Pool about potentially running, you know, the Queensland Derby and other races on that program, the Stradbroke. And we saw what happened in New South Wales and Victoria. Well, you know, me being the ex-punter, the World Pool's not, not perfect for punters. It is, uh, it is quite lucrative to the club. So it'd be good if we can get that one over the line and, Speaking to Tony Partridge and Neville Bell, they're reasonably confident that we can get there. Thanks for coming on, Jason, explaining everything. But when you get that news, Realbion Park, um, because obviously there's there's a lot of hardest participants are sitting on that that news at the moment. But yeah, stabling, I think they all agree is is a must, whether it be Albion Park or whether it be Norwell in the future, some sort of extra stabling there or stabling. No, no, I agree. And one thing about harness racing participants, they're very forthright. So my emails and phone, well, no, I know exactly where they stand. Yeah. Isn't it great to have, speaking of harness racing, isn't it great to have the best horse in Australasia right now coming, you know, in Queensland, leap to fame? I mean, he probably, you know, I often say, you know, it'd be great to cross-promote sometimes a you know, star horse and get other people, you know, thoroughbred code interested in the standard bread code and so on and greyhounds and whatever if there's a champion that comes along. Yeah, I think, look, he, he's clearly unbelievable. I mean, the Inter-Dominion night, the emotion that was there and was almost like the state of origin after the race was... People are walking around, you know, with their Queenslander chants and drinking the leap you know. to fame beer. That's right. I mean, if it brings Kevin Seymour to tears, it must be a pretty big, pretty big deal. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Jason Scott joining us, the chief executive officer of Racing Queensland.